You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show here on Reality Check Radio. And I'm your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, talking to today the awesome and inspirational Mark Mandino, Mandino um, from AdventureWorks. Mark is an adventure lover and a man on a mission. Welcome to the show. Yeah, good morning. Happy to be here. Good to have you on the show. Can you please say your surname for me again? Um, Mandino. Mandino. Got it. Got yeah. it. <laughs> so Got today it. we're going to be talking about the topic of moving forward after massive challenge. And for those of you that don't know Mark, Mark has been an, uh, a lover of the outdoors and outdoor adventure for ages. In 2015, while teaching his children how to surf, he sustained a spinal cord injury that left him with significant impairment in most of his body as quadriplegic. With this, Mark is determined to live the most fulfilling, enriching, satisfying, and meaningful life possible um, in spite of this situation. That is amazing. Obviously, that was a while ago, 2015. Um, can you give us, can you tell us more about it? Tell us a little bit more about what led you up to this point. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had my, my life has been in the outdoors, venturing and just enjoying exploration, our natural environment. And, you know, obviously that's significantly body dependent. <laughs> so, you know, a huge amount of my uh, personal identity, um, you know, involved in my work uh, my, and my recreation was all about being in the outdoors um, and, and getting others into the outdoors and, you know, sharing my love and the personal development that I'd experienced uh, through our natural environment and through challenging ourselves and pushing our boundaries, experiencing the adversity and the decision making and the camaraderie, you know, the friendship, um, the the you know the the feeling of achieving something, you know, really significant through that adversity in the outdoors. That was all a huge part of my identity. And, you know, and I formed my working career around that as well, you know, as a, a, a guide, an instructor, uh, became a secondary school teacher running an outdoor education program, you know, um, you know, providing those experiences for school students. Um, and then 2015 came around, you know, the most uh, unexpected moment, just it was the last day of a, a summer holiday with uh, my wife and three kids, and we were in the beach pretty much having the last swim uh, before jumping in the car and heading off home. And, uh, yeah, I grabbed the, the surfboard, uh, jumped on a wave, little wave, nothing too spectacular considering all of the, you know, considering all of the opportunities that I'd provided myself to be injured up to that point <laughs> in the mountains and on rivers and biking and exploring there it was you know just little reforming waves at a beach with my kids and jumped off the surfboard and uh yeah, it was shallow I it was a sandbar or a bank or something or other and I impacted that uh head first and uh dislocated my neck uh right in that moment and uh yeah instantly paralyzed instantly you know, quadriplegic um so that was, you know, that was 2015. That was a reasonably long time ago. And, you know, here I am now, 
you know, still trying to live my life you know, through the same uh, desire for experiences and exploration, but now it's just a totally different realm of opportunities, limitations. Um, yeah, but the same, trying to live through this with the same attitude, same, yeah, the, the same meaning and purpose. Yeah. I guess you do get a lot of people saying to you, wow, you had so many, you did so many crazy, dangerous, outdoorsy things, and it was surfing. Are people really surprised by that? And um, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Are they really surprised by that when they hear the story? I think think people expect some sort of dramatic, you know, story of extremes uh, caused the injury, but no, it wasn't. And, And I wasn't that extreme anyway, as my, as an adventurer, I was, I was pretty moderate. I mean, I I just loved it. I loved being in the outdoors. I love pushing my own personal boundaries, you know, and, and taking risks um, that I felt like I was capable of, you know, of being okay with. And, and I, I had pretty, you know, I had pretty moderate risk taking uh, behavior in the outdoors. But I, but what I, I, I think that 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 willingness to um, explore possibilities has been a really significant, um, you know, positive factor in, in trying to learn to live in a wheelchair. Um, you know, life can become quite small. Um, you know, the the opportunities to live, you know, uh, and and have interesting experiences become just so drastically limited uh, when you know from a wheelchair. It's crazy how how i mean just the chair itself but then also just trying to live with an injury like this you know people see the wheelchair and that appears to be the significant you know obstacle but there is so much more that is that is not seen you know just managing thermoregulation of my body temperature um you know i don't feel anything from pretty much my chest down uh i, I can't I, I don't actually feel my body and my body doesn't experience um, heat and cool the way it used to. Um, so managing that and just you know, dealing with um, you know, just things like a catheter and um, my my hands don't work, you know. So um, my, I've got my shoulders and my biceps work, but I can't pinch things with my fingers and pick things up. So you know, just just trying to trying to just get through a day. Can be a big enough and you know challenge um and then you know what for me a big risk now might be trying to go into the city by myself and do something <laughs> meet somebody or you know go and just do something which previously wouldn't have been a second thought it just just now in the environment and this body means that just day-to-day activities are risky enough well, it's it is like we're calling this episode massive challenge, and it, that I mean a huge massive challenge to lose that mobility. And then, of course, when you're an outdoorsy, adventurous person, you kind of hit on it there a little bit. I'd love to ask you if it's okay. What do you wish members of the public, you know, knew, or what would you like to say to them about? Um, we'll get into some inspirational stuff later, but about being in a wheelchair. Like, what do you wish we knew, or what mm. would you like to say to us? Because, um, I, yeah, I imagine there's just some things like people maybe look at you, they look away, or they maybe talk to you if they see you in a cafe or maybe like, I don't know. What do, we, what do you want us to know? 
Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're just people living our lives like everyone else. And you know, I, I, I experience all sorts of different responses to being in the wheelchair. You know, the, um, everything from, from warm welcoming, you know, uh, invitations of help to um, being ignored. It's the weirdest feeling, you know, being you know, experiencing not being seen uh, mm. is really bizarre you know like I, I was 39 when I had the injury so this this whole living in the wheelchair is kind of like a foreign you know it's foreign to me um so you know I I was at Noel Leeming's the other day and you know it, it, I, I had to make myself seen you know to get help um it was the weirdest experience but it was like okay you know whatever uh, but so yeah I, I guess my 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 ask is is that look at people that might have different you know impairments or things that are making their life hard and just see them as another person living their life doing the best they can it's okay to ask if they need support or help with something yeah i i do my own groceries you know like i chuck a basket on my knees and i roll around the shop and I can hardly ever reach anything, but I just ask people to mm. help out. And I have these really beautiful interactions as well, you know, with strangers. You know, there's something really personal and connecting by, by me saying to somebody, can you get that off the shelf? And oh, I never have a no, <laughs> you know, there's never a no. Um, and, and we smile and we, and we, you know, there's just this lovely little connection that happens. So, you know, yeah, don't be afraid. That, that's what I'd say. We might have people listening that are in a similar boat. I imagine we will. Um, so sending you love as well. Um, but we'll also definitely have people listening who have had in their life a massive challenge, mm. whatever that looks like. It might not be a wheelchair. Um, and we, we all know there's tons of different massive challenges, whatever that looks like to someone, whether it's a health thing or you know death of a sibling or whatever. What guidance or advice can you draw on from your own journey that you can share with someone who currently is facing a massive challenge, who wants to be able to move forward and get on with their life? Any words of wisdom or something that helped you to move forward? Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the biggest challenges that I had to make sense of was feeling totally disconnected from my life, but there it was right in front of me. Yeah, you know, it was it was really strange experience to to have uh, to 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 not be able to participate in my life and become an observer. Oh, basically, that happened overnight. I went from being an an active participant in my in my life to becoming an observer of what my life was. You know, and I was it's like being on the sidelines but wanting to play the game. <laughs> you know, like playing with my kids. Um, all of a sudden there I was sitting in a wheelchair watching my kids and trying to engage with them in play and activity. And as a participant, the way I was, was really hard. And and the, the point that I want to make here is that while I was committed to believing that that was the only way that I could have a meaningful activity with my kids, I experienced loss. You know, that was suffering because that was that was what I wanted, but I couldn't have. And the more I focused on what I couldn't have and what I wanted, the harder it was. You know, that was 
then I'd be in, I'd be present with them and suffering inside and, and not even be able to be with them, even though I couldn't participate with them. So the, the, the learning for me was to go, right, what can I do here? You know, what have I got control of that I can take responsibility for in this very moment, in this, you know, in this moment? And there's always something that, that I can take responsibility for and take control of and engage in that moment in a really purposeful, meaningful and engaging way. It's not the way it used to be. So I had to be really open-minded with myself, had to be really present with what's going on in that moment that I can be grateful for, that I could want in my life, and that I could see that was happening, that was giving me something satisfying and purposeful, and then connect with it and try to forget about what it used to be. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that was it was really hard. But what else was there? You know, it's either want it to be different and suffer or be present and enjoy what's possible and what's happening right now. Yeah. And I mean, that is such a brilliant life lesson um, and wisdom to live by for anyone at any stage, but specifically people that are going through a massive challenge, obviously not easy to do easy to get, to get stuck into what was, mm. um, but interesting about being an active participant um, and then going from an, to an to becoming an observer, yeah. The weird, like you can't explain it. You know, you can't ex without experiencing it. It's hard to explain it, and it. But it's just like being on the sidelines, but wanting to be on the team, mm. and just that longing. Oh, weird, hard, really hard. You know, uh, so it's just that that identity with the body and the being able to do stuff. Um, the experience of being helpless and hopeless and useless and, you know, being just seeing things, oh, the frustrating experiences of seeing something in my immediate space that could be done by me and not being able to do it was so hard, particularly when it was my kids trying to do something or fix something or move something or, you know, it's like, Oh well, I can't help with that. It was it was yeah, really hard to make sense of and get used to. It's that that sudden you know that sudden change from the the, the injury was, was yeah. So learning how to um, not identify myself with all those things and yeah. find some new way of associating with who I was as a valuable person to the people around me. Yeah, that that was that was the journey. And I'd love to ask about um, terminology as well. So, you know, the word disability, which I, I know mm. you mentioned to me beforehand that you don't really like that word. Can you, you talk to me about that, about what, why you don't like it? What word do you prefer? Um, and I imagine there's lots of people ha that have the same views. So it's great for us to hear straight from you about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've never liked the word disability uh, from right from early on. Um and I wasn't really sure why. I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it. Uh, but you know, um, through through my work now, uh, you know, there's we're a registered private training establishment, and there's quite a lot of activity going on around making 
learning accessible to a wider range of people. Um, and then through our, our outdoor recreation activities that we provide, there's a lot of effort going on to making recreation available to a wider range of people. And this word disability just keeps coming up and up and up in my life. I was like, oh man, what? So I had to really take a look into it and think about what it was that's going on here. So the way that I see it is that, in, in my view, disability is a really clumsy noun. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not an identity for me. I, I don't identify myself as as a disabled person. So then I thought, well, what what is going on? So the word that makes the most sense is impairment. I I have an impairment, and as a result of my impairment, I experience disability. So my experience of the world when I'm separated from um, things that I want to do, places that I want to go, opportunities for careers, opportunities for resources and things like that, then I experience being disabled. But what is objective for me is that I have an impairment. So this is like looking at the the, the two, two different definitions of disability um, that, that have come, you know, that, that are being used at the moment. One being the medical model, which identifies the the, the problem as the person, that the, the impairment is the problem, that's the disability, and the social model of disability, which is that you know people are are uh, they experience dis- disability through because of uh, physical environments, um, social um, uh, prejudice, uh, unconscious bias, um, and, and things like that. So I, I far more uh, align with the idea of social disability mm. as a definition and that I experience being disabled from the life that I want to live and could live as opposed to being identified as being disabled. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so important for us to hear that. And, you know, my friend Genevieve McLaughlin, she's based in Wellington. She actually used to go around to different workplaces and find basically making them wheelchair friendly. She herself um, has cerebral palsy. She's in a wheelchair as well. And um, yeah, I think just awareness for us around how it feels and what, you know, what words we, are a little bit inappropriate, but um, impairment. So like when people say hearing impaired, similar. Yeah. Same, same as that, you know, and like what, what other, what other way of identifying somebody has the prefix dis in front of it? I know. You know, like there is no other word that descri- describes a person with the word dis. It's such a negative prefix. You know, it, the, the, the word, the, that prefix itself is the start of, you know, um, uh, negative stereotypes. Um, so, I, I, th- I mean, the word, the word is everywhere and it's, it's used in policy and it's, you know, Sport New Zealand use it to describe their action plan you know, Tertiary Education Commission use it to describe their action plan. And the intent is really great. You know, the, the intent is to is to make more opportunities available for a wider range of people. I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. I just think this is a really clumsy word to identify this wider range of people as. Yeah. But, you know, and having said that, I really do, res- there, there are people that want to be identified with that word because that is the way they identify themselves. And I totally respect that as well. You know, if, if, yeah, that that may be really important for someone's well-being to be able to identify themselves with the word disability. 
but I don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what I'd love to know also is, um, do you have a certain person or a certain mantra or phrase or anything that you really go to, to kind of help you? Because obviously you've got a great mindset, but I imagine it's not like suddenly you work through things and now you're positive and life is good, right? You go through times or even days when you can't reach for something and it's just like, ugh, like it's a constant, mm. it's constantly um, navigating through. So do you have a certain person or a certain practice that you do to help you get through in terms of the motivation side of things? mindset well i mean the first thing that comes to mind when you ask that is that just that, that what i've learned how i've learned to remind myself that there's something to be grateful for in this moment right now you, you know suffering seems to be really easy to experience in my life you know difficulty suffering um it, it seems to be like an undercurrent which i don't have to look very far for and if I let my guard down, in a way, it's right there. Mm. Uh, but you know, to there is always something on top of that that is worth, that is important, and that I can be grateful for, and that I can have some enjoyment out of having in my life. So, doesn't matter. Yeah, that's what I go to. Yeah, that that is that is it. You know. There is always something there that I can be grateful for. And there's always something that I can consciously choose to do in that moment, regardless of how hard it is, that can lift my, you know, my experience in the world. Yeah. Amazing. I would love to know about your business because I, you know, I have a background. I don't know if you know, in yeah. adventure. Um yeah you know, and well, not adventure tourism and, but in um, outdoor education. So when I was in Canada growing up, my mom's best friend's son, actually, it's quite a sad story, um, died at Cave Creek. And um, okay. however, for him, it was such a time of joy in his life before the accident. And he just found who he was and he found his people. And I remember her telling my mom about the good stuff. And I also felt really sad about the sad stuff. But what it actually was pivotal for me, because at the end of university, I was like, everyone's like, what are you going to do? Where are you going to get a job? And I'm like, I'm going to go to my home country where I'm genetically from, but I've only visited multiple times. And I'm going to just go and explore my Kiwi heritage. And so I went for one year <laughs> and I looked at going to Greymouth, Taipotini Polytech, which is where Cave Creek, Cray, mm. Cave Creek happened. Yep. So sending love to anybody who had, um, oh, had somebody yeah. there, sending uh, huge love to anybody. And I also looked at Auraki Polytech in Timaru. I ended up going to Auraki Polytech in Timaru, meeting amazing friends, having an amazing time, meeting my future husband. And I've literally been back to Canada twice. So the one year turned into 27. And here I am. So um, I have a background in the outdoors then. Oh, uh, right. So you did um, ad Adventure racing, the yeah. Southern Traverse, oh, um, Outward Bound, and things like that. So I, I also share a love of the outdoors back mm. in the day. What I'm, Where I'm going with my story is I would love to hear more. Obviously, you 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 your business, which I imagine was already going, or no, you were a guide. What yeah. does your business look like now? It's called Adventure Works, but who is it for? Is it for anyone or... What do you what do you do like day to day? What does it look oh, like? We, we've got a wide variety of things that we do, but it's all based on one common purpose, which is around um, you know growth in the outdoors. 
so growing people through through outdoors outdoor experiences and being in the outdoors um the way that we do that is really varied so we have uh everything from instructor training qualifications you know that's similar to what you did down at araki we run a two-year diploma in outdoor adventure and education uh, we run training uh, qualifications for people that are working at the moment uh, for upskilling and improving their professional practice and then we go that that's our train the trainer stuff and then we do our, our rangatahi uh, outdoor experience programs and there's a big range of those everything from working with students that are in schools supporting outdoor education subjects outdoor education camps um, through to uh, working more with community groups and you know supporting young people through their their more challenging times that they're having in their life mm. uh, through outdoor experiences and outdoor adventure yeah and it uh, it was i had to i've run the business longer out of the wheelchair than i have you know uh, while my legs were working um so i had the business for about four years prior to the accident right and it was um it was a big move, you know. I went from secondary school teaching to I bought the business, um, and uh, you know, it was it was me and a couple of staff when I had the accident. Uh, and oh my gosh, I hated that business after the accident. You know, it was mm. I checked out. It was just another symbol of something that I'd lost and that I couldn't participate in. Uh, and just the fact that the business survived over those those couple of years is a testament to. The people that were, you know, there and that kept it going and that went way over and above their, you know, what was reasonably expected of them. But so grateful that they did. And now, you know, it's, I don't know, several times bigger than it was <laughs> when I had the accident. Um, but I, you know, I had, I just, I love it. I love the people that are in it. I love what we do. Um, I had to really, you know, readjust the way that I engaged and how I saw myself as valuable to the business. Uh, I wasn't able to be out there in the field with our clients anymore. So I, you know, I had to readjust, you know, what, how do I get satisfaction and meaning out of this business in a way that, you know, I, I couldn't anymore that what gave me my satisfaction was, you know, just that good feeling of, of helping people, giving them these outdoor experiences and seeing them grow and helping them, you know, become something bigger as a result of these experiences. So I just turned that, I turned that attention to my staff and went, right, I I can't work with our clients, but I can help grow my staff. And I've just been really committed to that over the last few years. And turns out that it was, it's worked out well. Yeah. So within that, what would you say your um, your specialty is? You know, meaning like if you're growing your staff, what is the secret ingredient? What is it that you, that you um, do to because it's obviously working? Well, uh, firstly, it's being really honest with myself. Yeah, being authentic and courageous in the conversations that I have, and what is true for me, and and sharing my truth, and and then being able to listen to what's true for them, and you know, get really listening to what's going on and and trying to understand that and empathize and be present with with what their experience is. But you know that that for me that starts with me. You know, I, I've got to be empathetic and honest and true with what I'm feeling and and with what's going on for me before I can 
receive that from others. Uh, so starting there and then and then just being focused on helping them achieve you know what what their vision for themselves is. You know, so what what is your vision? What you know what what is what does your life look like in the next year or five years? And how can we work together to make that happen? You know, what what can we create in this business that is aligned with the purpose of the business and your purpose? How, how closely, you know, the closer those two those two things can align, um, the less it becomes work and the more it becomes you know, an inspirational day of doing amazing things. Wow. I mean, I'm, I, everyone would, would love to have a boss like that or someone running a business that is asking those questions. So rather than, all right, what are you focusing on today? It's like, okay, what is your bigger vision for yourself? How can we bring it into alignment? I love that you're, you're thinking mm-hmm. of those things, but I'm not surprised because same, I come from that background where it was personal discovery using the outdoors as a medium for personal growth. And a lot of people think it's just about you know, kayaking or rock climbing. Um, But it's so much more. And it's so cool to see that you're nurturing your staff so well. Um, Very, very cool. Once I, in one of my interviews, I talked about one of my favorite books called The Big Five for Life with John Strzelecki. And in their workplace, they had everyone write on the wall what their big five, the five things they want to do, be and experience in their lifetime, kind of like a bucket list, but only five things. And um, because people shared these on the wall, they'd be like, oh, you know, you want to travel to India? Oh my gosh, my cousin went last year and these are some things that you should know. And so they would, everyone would be aware of each other's big five and they would all be on board. And as a result, the staff turnover went down, the productivity went up, all those, you know, those things, the measurables. But, um, and the connection between the staff members was just solidified. It was just so cool. So it sounds like you're doing, you know, similar-ish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah. It, I, what, the other thing I'm aware of is is my own unawareness. You know that, that there, there's. I, I really, I really like the idea, the the concept of you know our shadow, that what what we've repressed and denied and, and pushed away, um, and it's part of our, it's part of who we are, it's part of who I am, and it finds its way out. Um, not consciously, but it has a big impact on on my life, you know. So, so you know, the business has has really been a, a the injury and the business are the two things that have had me had to look, turn around, you know, turn from facing forwards and turn backwards and inside myself, and really take a look at at these responses and these reactions and these feelings, you know, th- these big feelings that 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 come out, and you know dominate the, the you know a moment unconsciously so yeah uh, you know the, i'm really aware you know i described what i do well in the business but i'm also really aware of of, of the other side of it yeah which is just as important so you talked about the shadow side of you we'd yeah. love to know from listeners that are listening um what is resonating for you um what you know if you're going through a massive challenge at the moment um, what is your massive challenge and how do you help yourself move forward? Also, um, if you had a positive experience in the outdoors and, you know, um, we'd love to hear about that too. Um, you can text us in 2057 on the text or inbox at realitycheck.radio. Uh, I'd also love to ask you, Mark, about at your workplace um, or maybe in your life, what are some practical things 
um, that people can do to either reflect on themselves because a lot of people don't, they just move forward and they just do their to-do list or their tasks, but they don't actually take time to pause and reflect. So a practical exercise you can share with us either around self-reflection or positivity, you know, moving forward, things like that. Mm. Triggers and judgment. So, you know, how, um, to, to, for, for me, when I'm triggered by something, it's an opportunity to take that look in to see what I'm not conscious of that I am placing on that other person. You know, so when, when I, when I have a strong emotional response to, to something or someone, uh, stop, notice what's going on within myself and then ask myself, what is about, what is going on here that I am projecting onto this person that is actually mine and get to know that first. Yeah. Triggers are opportunities for self-awareness. That That is how, yeah, that is my learning. So great. And did you think like that before the accident? Oh, somewhat. I did. Yes. To some degree I did. Yeah. I mean, I trained as a counselor as well prior to the accident I, and I worked as a counselor in, 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 the, in this. So, you know, I'm really aware of some of these psychological and psychodynamic theories of, of personality and self and um, the way. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's so true. And triggers, just for some people that might not have heard of that term, you know, you get triggered, you actually often will feel it in your body, like a fire yeah. kind of starting to burn in your belly and you, someone said something or someone did something and you're triggered. So can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Like, what do you mean by triggered and how can that show up? Yeah, just a strong emotional response to something in a moment, um, usually related to another person. Uh, so, you know, a, a rejection of something that somebody says or a uh, a strong feeling of, of somebody being wrong and, and wanting to tell them why they're wrong <laughs> and how they're wrong. Uh, anger. Um, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's for me, it's uh, when I, when I pass, when I, when I make that judgment of somebody, um, I, I usually, usually there's an unmet need within myself that I'm not attending to. So, you know, the, 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 the person is just a, you know, the, they, they might've done something in the world, which, which might not have been very good as well. You know, that, that, that's, that, that's fine. You know, they might, it's not saying that everybody does things um, that, that, that they're great and that I've got judgments or internal stuff that's unresolved. Um, they may have they may have done something which is totally objectionable, but the, it's the it's the emotional response to that, the the charge, the the big um, the big feelings that emerge in my body and that that come out in some sort of judgment or projection or mm. or blame or anger or that that gets you know comes from within me bypasses my consciousness and then. If I'm not careful, I'll just unload that onto a person. And really, um, that is not very healthy for either of us. Yeah. Okay. So for here's I'm gonna do a little example just in case this is helpful for our audience. So for example, like let's say you're at a little gathering at lunch and someone like dings the little glass, you know, ding, ding, ding. And they're like, everyone, and they do a little toast. 
Some people might be like, oh, that was lovely. But someone might be like, oh, wow, that was a bit attention seeking. And then so you're so I guess with this, we go, okay, I'm triggered. I'm I'm naming, blaming or shaming or name calling that person. Oh, that person's must is so attention seeking. Get curious. Say, huh, why does that trigger me? Maybe it's me that desires a little bit more attention in my life. Is that how we unpack it? Yeah, that unmet need of my own that I'm, yeah, that I've not attended to, that I'm not aware of, that I've not been gentle with or has been aware of. And yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, uh, yeah, that, that's a good example. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it happens all the time, you know, just uh, going, just going around daily life, driving the, you know, the motorways, you know, that, that's a, that's an example that's always used. The person that cuts you off in the, in the lane in front, well, who's, you know, if I have an emotional charge to that, who's the one that's suffering there? It's not the person that cut me off. <laughs> you know, it's I become the one that's suffering through that emotional charge, through that, through that anger, through the, you know, through the through what comes up in my body. Mm-hmm. That's my own, that's me, that's my experience. It's not theirs. You know, so um it's it's my job, it's my responsibility to do something with that if I want to live a better life. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. And I do think, you know, and I often say in my show, more and more people are leaning into personal discovery now more than ever, especially after the last three years, wanting to self-reflect, learn about themselves, understand themselves. And mm. I think, which is a positive, that's a positive thing. Mm. Mm. Have you, what, like, have you, you know, is there a book that you read or a program that you've done that's really helped you to stay in that mindset of being, you know, a lifelong learner, you know, self-reflection, looking at every time you're triggered as an opportunity for growth. How do you keep that going? Oh, I, I, I just, I don't know. I can't think of a specific book. I mean, I, I'm really interested in, in, in particularly Jungian psychodynamic theory and the, you know, the archetypes and um, the different aspects of, of myself. Uh, so just through just through just general interest in reading, I I guess I've come around to that. So I can't name anything in particular. I guess if you just Google responding to triggers or something, then see what <laughs> sounds something, good. Something sounds will come good. To the person that needs to read it. Yeah. Amazing. Um, all right, I'm going to ask you the four questions that we ask everybody. Um, mm. But before I do that, is there any place in New Zealand or person that you want to do a shout out to? I want to do a little shout out to Jacqueline Richards, one of my previous yep. guests on this show, who actually introduced us. And that's the reason you're here. So shout out to Jacqueline. If you guys missed her interview, you can check that out on realitycheck.radio slash replays. Just type Jacqueline or go to the Epi Brave show. Um, but Mark, do you have anyone or anywhere in New Zealand that you'd like to do a shout out to? Oh, look, the people in the top of my mind right now are my uh, my my ex-wife and my three kids. You know, they their their lives changed and they this injury was their injury as well. And it took me a few years to really fully realize that this wasn't just my injury, this was their injury. So shout out to them and how amazing they are as as people in the world that I'm so pleased are in my life still. Yeah, that uh, they're, they're amazing. I love them to bits. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right, the first question is: What is one thing you've done in the last year where you've truly upped your brave? Uh, well, I have been deeply committed to. Uh, 
riding a three-wheel bike in the forest. And it has been a long, difficult journey to uh, learn how to ride the bike and uh, and take risks and experience the frustration of failure, you know, and and but oh, I'm so grateful for having persevered with that because now I'm really genuinely enjoying this thing and and enjoying sharing it with others. Yeah. Where do so, you do that? Where do you take the bike? Uh, Woodhill Forest yeah. at the moment, the wood, the mountain bike park out there. Nice. Uh, and I'm I'm really actively wanting and becoming a an active member of of a group called Adapt MTB uh, and promoting the benefits and creating opportunities for others to get out and ride adapted equipment and working with um, you know, making it trails accessible as well. Just you know, just the little adjustments that can be made to make you know more trails available to people with adapted equipment. Amazing. I haven't heard of that. I'll look it up. Amazing. Yeah. What is one thing on your bucket list, something you'd love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we can possibly help you with? Well, I'm all up for experiences, you know, but one of the things that I've learned through this injury is the joy of just experience and, uh, and it's all relative. Um, so, um, I have a, I've bought a, a land yacht, a, you know, a little three wheel sailing thing that I'm wanting to sail and I need to make some adjustments to that to be able to sail it. It's sitting in my garage waiting for a whole lot of fun to be had on it. And I want to go scuba diving. <laughs> okay. So the land yacht, there's a theme here with the three wheel thing. The yeah. land yacht is, is yeah. meant to stay on land. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It goes on the beach. Yeah. I don't go in the water with it. <laughs> it's a sail with three wheels. Sounds amazing. But my hat, because my hands don't work, I tried sailing one, but because my hands don't work, I can't yeah. steer it and I can't pull the main sheet. So yeah. I've got to work out how to put a winch on it or something. I don't know. Well, I'll work that out. But that's what I want. Okay. So if anyone's out there and you have a land yacht or you've got experience and you've got some guidance, you can get in touch with Mark. What was the other thing? Oh, I want to go scuba diving. Scuba diving. Yeah. Okay. Well, there I've you go. Got, if anyone I've got wants friends to. That are, friends that are dead keen to make all those things happen. Oh. But, you know, that that's. That, that's my wish list at the moment. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, well, let us know how we can help you. Um, but if someone does want to help you, or if someone wants to find out about um, Adventure Works and you know booking in with their team or their people or something, um, how can they connect with you online? Well, the the business is adventureworks.co.nz. Um, that's easy to find. And um, if you want to keep up to date with my biking adventures and some mm -hmm. of my thoughts about life in general at uh, Instagram, Mark Mandino, uh, you'll find me there. Mark Mandino on Instagram. It's M-A-R-K. Yeah. M-A-N-D-E-N-O. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I, ju I just followed you just before the interview. So I'm excited oh, to keeping up, keeping up with your adventures. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what is coming up for you? I know you're going to be obviously doing some sailing on your land yacht. What <laughs> is coming up for you in the next six months? Um, lots more mountain biking and, uh, and just, um, a commitment to this, to this business at the moment. I'm just so deeply immersed in, in developing what we're doing for outdoor instructor training. Um, um, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. Mm. 
You know, I just, the word that's coming to mind for me right now is unstoppable. Like you are just unstoppable. You're like, I'm going to do this land yacht and scuba diving and mountain biking. It's really inspirational, especially for someone like me who used to do a bunch of that stuff. And now I pretty much just walk the dog. Mm. Um, So you have inspired me today and I'm Mm. sure you've inspired many of our listeners and some people that can relate to you because they too are in wheelchairs. So thank you for, Mm. for shining the light on that. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners before we wrap things up? Oh, just just this appreciation of the little things is so important. That like life for me, I know how easy it is for life to appear to be miserable and hard and 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 not what I want. And and it, it can feel like it's really easy to feel like uh, there's a better version of the life that would make me more happy. Uh, you know that that is out of reach. But really, um, everything that I need. And everything that could make me happy is right here, right now. I've just got to be able to see it and notice it and touch it and experience it. That's my choice. Uh, you know, I choose whether I am in this moment grateful for something that's present or whether I'm wanting something that doesn't exist right now, believing that that is where my happiness is. Wow. That's taking massive ownership. Thank you for joining us. We've been listening to Mark Mandino talking about moving forward after a massive challenge. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, kia ora. I enjoyed that. Thanks. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio.